Welcome back to Long Covid Doctor, an educational series for sufferers of Long Covid. This is the second part on brain fog and Long Covid. In part one, I talked about the symptoms, the diagnoses, the investigations and the many causes for brain fog. Um, Here we are, part two, I'll talk about the treatments, management and outcomes. The references, links and resources are in the show notes below. Any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. So here we go. Part two on on brain fog and long COVID. The management of brain fog with long COVID. Firstly, you know, what has happened so far? You know, the patient, you have been to your doctor with the problem, your long COVID problem, the brain fog. And what has your doctor done? He's assessed your symptoms, history, examination, um, and uh, investigations, blood tests. Um, You know, and if any of the differential diagnoses are the causes have been discovered, they will have been addressed, of course. Um, maybe it's resulted in a referral to the hospital, a specialist, a neurologist, for example. Uh, maybe an MRI scan of the brain is indicated. That'll be the decision of the specialist. Then secondly, um, it's important that that other long COVID symptoms are treated, um, that you know, other symptoms that you may have coincidentally alongside your brain fog. So um, with the history examination, it may be discovered that you know you, you may have may have, have be also having mast cell activation. So you know that's important to treat. So H1, H2 blockers, antihistamines, anti-acid tablets, um, you know, they, they're sort of off-label, off-license, so your GP may feel comfortable with this and prescribe it, or maybe not. I mean, I've heard, you know, patients with mast cell activation actually incidentally have said, as a sort of um, afterthought, said, you know, with your with their treatment of their mast cell activation, that's improved those symptoms, but a number of patients have uh, have come back and said to me, "Look, my brain fog is a bit better, and my fatigue is a bit better." So um, it's worth probably uh, worth a trial of those two treatments, the H1 and H2 blockers, maybe for a couple of months and see whether it improves things. It's not unreasonable. Other symptoms that patients experience with their long COVID would be, say, the headaches or migraines. You know, those patients need to have have those symptoms addressed. You know, with amitriptyline, for example, a excellent drug for it's a neuropathic drug. It's an old-fashioned antidepressant. We're not prescribing it for that. We're prescribing it for its uh, its, its effects on on nerve fibers. Um, it's used to prevent migraine, for example. Um, and so, you know, if you have got this headache and migraine alongside your long COVID 
um, brain fatigue, um, brain fog. I think it's important to have those, those problems addressed and treated appropriately as well. Likewise, other, other symptoms say, such as the COVID grip, the chest pain that, that patients describe because their, their lungs feel like they're on fire and a sort of inflammation of the lining of the lungs. So a trial of colchicine would be helpful for that. Patients who are also experiencing palpitations, rapid heart rate for no reason, or fainting or near fainting type sensations, um, lightheadedness, you know, they may well have POTS, uh, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So, you know, treatment with a beta blocker or referral to a cardiologist may be appropriate and effective and help them on those symptoms alongside um, their other long COVID sort of brain fog symptoms. So it's important to just keep those those other problems in mind and deal, deal with them appropriately. So now on to the long COVID brain fog more specifically. So what can we do to help recovery from long COVID brain fog? Before we go into specifics, I think it needs to be said for a patient with long COVID, having got to this point, they've probably had an opportunity to share their problem with their doctor or the long COVID clinic that they're being um, managed by. I, a health professional who's dealing with other patients with long COVID. I think this is important just to acknowledge because you know, this actually is really helpful for the patient for um, validation of their, of their problem, their long COVID problem, that it's real. It's not all in the head. It's not imagined. I think it also brings reassurance to have, to be listened to reassurance that, you know, that patients will therefore be supported. Um, and also, certainly in our clinics and our experiences that, you know, that long COVID on the whole improves with time. And certainly brain fog improves with time. I've heard patients say this. Um, this is what we're seeing in our clinics. All these things are really important for the patient to be aware of and to hear. And so now on to the actual management of Long COVID brain fog. I think the key point to all long COVID is there's no one magic bullet. Like I sort of described in the first part, there are so many causes for long COVID. Um, no one treatment is going to address all those causes. There's no one magic cure, one magic bullet. Um, it, treatment is not just one thing. Treatment is all to do with a package, if you like. Um, one of the most important elements of that package, of course, um, that applies to everyone and everything in to do with long COVID is to do with energy building and energy controlling. Um, uh, basically, the key, the key to this is using the, our age old friend, the three P's, pacing, planning and prioritizing. So pacing, what do we mean by this? The process of balancing activity, that be sort of um, physical, mental or emotional with rest. Pacing gives us an awareness of our limitations. By knowing your limitations, you can plan how much energy you use and 
sort of most effectively and the most efficiently. So that's pacing. The second P is planning, structuring your day, you know, a fixed get up time in the morning, um, get an alarm clock, a fixed bedtime, be strict with yourself, build in rest times into the day in the morning and the afternoon, be strict, no more push on through, give yourself time out, time out, it's very important. Also with planning, break tasks down into smaller chunks, bite-sized chunks. Be strict, self-discipline. Be bossy with yourself. Resist temptation to complete a task. You know, it's okay to stop halfway. If you're vacuuming the house, don't vacuum the whole house. If you want to vacuum the whole house, don't vacuum the whole house. Only vacuum half the house. You get my point. And then third P, prioritise. Well, you've got to prioritize what needs to be done and what can wait. What you can forget about altogether. Then prioritize the order in which you do things. You know, do the important things first. The less important things, let, you know, put to one side. Do those second. Or get someone else, better still, get someone else to do them. If you can, delegate. Um, or better, better still, discard them. Things that don't need to be do- done, just bin them. So now let's move on into the more more specifics regarding brain fog, long COVID brain fog. The two main difficulties that um, patients with brain fog have are to do with concentration and memory. Concentration and memory. Let's think about them in turn. So first of all, concentration. Um, three types of concentration, really. Concentration, you know, patients find it difficult to concentrate with for an extended period of time, okay? Or there's difficulties with concentrating when there's background distractions. Or there's difficulties with concentrating on more than one thing at a time. So concentration difficulties. And then memory. So there are difficulties with taking it all in due to poor concentration, due to distractions or stress or pain or poor sleep. You can't take it all in. Then there's difficulties with keeping it in, retaining it. Perhaps it's due to uh, direct insult onto the brain because, you know, the memory area, the hippocampus has been affected. Maybe that's the reason can't retain it or difficulties with retrieving it so it's gone in it's in your memory but you can't remember it as it it goes as soon as, soon as it's gone in maybe it's because of poor concentration maybe because of the brain salt or maybe it didn't go in in the start anyway um so these are the things that our patients are telling us but essentially it all comes down to this to elements and that is the concentration and the uh, and the memory okay and so what are we going to do to tackle these problems okay there are a number of strategies handy tips that can help so tackle what each of each in turn so first of all concentration that's what i started with concentration what are the handy little tips to tackle a task okay you've got to think the task through 
before the off. Okay, that helps. Um, break the task down to small chunks. Divide the task into chunks and goals. Okay, and then take breaks. Stop after 15, 20 minutes. Have a stretch. Blast of fresh air. Don't push on through. Take breaks. Okay. Remember, one thing at a time. No more multitasking. Think of the best time of the day that you can do these things. So the morning or the afternoon or, or, or after a nap. Certainly not straight after lunch or at the end of the day. Okay. So think of those, you know, ways to tackle the task. Then tips for doing a task. Okay. You've tackled a task. Now we're on to doing the task. Basically, we want to basically rule out distractions. Um, you know, background chatter, the TV on, the radio on. Use earplugs. Okay. To block out the background chatter TV. Um, you don't want interruptions, do you? You, you do, basically, you, you, you know, okay. Turn your phone off, leave it to voicemail or put an out of it message, out of office message uh, on your emails. You don't want to be interrupted. And then tips to, to, for focus, how to keep focused. Okay. While you're performing the task. Okay. Well, while you're performing the task, whisper to yourself or talk out loud during the task that does to, to keep you on track. Okay. Now I'm doing this. Okay. Whisper, talk to yourself through the task to keep yourself, as I say, on track or focus. Say you're reading, you know, reading text. Well, why don't you could use a ruler, put a ruler under the line you're reading and then slowly, you know, when you complete the line, move the ruler down and then it stops your eye jumping around, flitting about. It keeps you on that line or a little trick other people have is use a marker pen or a sort of a pencil underline what you're reading at the time. So these are all sort of handy little tips um, to keep focus whilst you're doing a task. Um, another problem, common problem with long COVID brain fog is word finding. Remember I say that's one of the presenting symptoms of, you know, you get halfway through, halfway through a, term, a sentence and you lose your words. Um, and you can't think of the word. You have sort of, if you like, recall or memory block for a particular word. It's on the tip of the tongue, but you can't get it. So don't try and sort of scrabble around in your brain looking for that word. Talk around that missing word. Get there in, get to the end of the sentence, but avoid that word that you can't find by sort of talking around it. Describe it in a different way. Describe what you're trying to say in a different way. Ask what you're trying to say in a different way. Um, then what about tips for finding things? Because again, a lot of patients do say, oh, I keep on losing things. I don't know where I put it. I put it down. I can't remember where I put it down. Well, mental retracing. Stop. Sit down. Think to yourself, what was I doing 
when I last had my car keys, for example, and then track back, trace back what you were doing, retrace your tracks, and then probably more often than not, you'll get to where you left your car keys. It's usually probably somewhere very strange. Remember what I said, that patient who left car keys in the fridge. Could be strange, could be somewhere usual, but retrace your tracks. So those are the handy tips for helping um, concentration. What about some handy tips to help with memory? Okay, how are we going to try and remember things? Well, basically, say it over in your head. Say it over, maybe even out loud, um, over and over again. Just reinforce it, reinforce it. Same with someone's name. I mean, I think this is pretty common. It's not just long COVID. Um, when you are introduced to someone in a party or the pub or something, you know, before you know it, it's out of the out of your brain. So say the name in your head out loud again. And, you know, that reinforcement, hopefully it will lodge in your brain. Um, whilst we're on the topic of can't remember someone's name. Well, look, if you can't remember someone's name, just tell them, look, sorry, I can't remember your name. What did you say your name was? Apologize. Oh, look, I've got long COVID and it's affecting my memory a bit. Okay. You're just going to have to tell me your name again. I do apologize. Well, there's no harm in that, is there? Telling them that you've got this long COVID brain fog and apologize. They will understand and tell you their name again. Great. And then repeat it a few times yourself. And then other little tips and tricks um, for helping memory lists. Well, again, I couldn't survive without lists. Uh, I don't have long COVID brain fog, but I couldn't survive without lists. If I had long COVID brain fog, I would need my lists. Um, have a, keep a notebook. You know, and then when you do, you know, you know, complete a task on that list, tick it off. Makes you feel good. But it also it's a reminder that it's been done. Calendar, you know, get a calendar, old fashioned calendar. Um, put it on the wall in the kitchen. Or, you know, a lot of us use calendars on our mobile phones now. Very handy. Things don't get missed like they could do. Post-it notes, another way of prompting you, reminding you, you know, post-it notes. Again, I used to in general practice, going to patients' homes, they, there were post-its on the fridge, post-it, you know, on the, on the sort of the notice board, post-its, you know, on the back door. Don't forget your keys. There's no harm in using post-its. Um, a uh, very good way of reminding you. Um, uh, what else? You know, there are other little tips you could use. Um, and that is, uh, ways of, of stopping losing things. I talked about the, the car keys. Well, why don't you have a hook, um, uh, near the back door or on a piece of furniture or against the wall on the wall, um, where you hang your keys? Or a phone bowl. A lot of people have a phone bowl, don't they? Or a, or a key bowl near the back door on a, on a piece of furniture. Um, you know, 
always put your wallet or your purse in your handbag or the top drawer when you've come in. Make sure you always do it as a matter of course. Um, other little prompters, a, a cooker, a timer, you know, you know, so, you know, most, most people in their kitchen, they have a timer for their eggs, whatever, boiling the eggs. Well, that's very good for reminding you when you should be in some place at some time. Again, again, a lot of people use their timers on their mobile phone, mobile phones to remind them they've got to do such and such, um, be such and such and such and such a time. Pill dispensers, you know, really, really helpful. Again, so many patients um, use pill dispensers and they keep them, you know, by the kettle um, in the kitchen or next to the sink, you know, it's always there. You're always going to the sink. You're always going to the kettle. Pill dispenser there. Have I had my pills? Yes. Can I check? Yes. Done. Um, uh, I think the other thing is, you know, again, from what I was saying about, you know, if you can't remember someone's name and say to the patient, look, I can't remember your name. Well, there's no, there's no harm in saying that, you know, when people are explaining things to you, for example, you know, just tell them, look, hey, look, just go slowly. Um, you know, but got a bit of brain fog, um, or ask for help if you don't quite get it, can't quite work it out because your executive function's not as good as it used to be. Ask for help. There's no harm in that. A lot of my patients, um, whilst I was in general practice, were so proud and telling me that they've been visiting the brain gym. And what mean, they mean by that is they've been doing brain training exercises, Sudoku, um, or the Times crossword or, you know, Scrabble or poker, uh, not poker. I was going to say bridge, maybe poker. Um, you know, these are, are good because they're on the whole social activities, which is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a very good thing. Um, uh, but more often than not, these, in a way, it's not going to help globally. It'll, it'll mean you're pretty good at Sudoku. Um, but not necessarily good but remembering where your keys are. Um, so it can help and it has other fringe benefits. Um, but it's, it's, I think we've just got to take the general approach to address the whole picture. Um, and like I said, I think it's really important at the start. I said, you know, it's important to address fatigue. Um, you know, the commonest core, the commonest symptom of long COVID. Remember what I was saying about the three Ps. It's important to address sleep and worry and mood. More on that a bit later. So in a way that sort of does lead into the, that, the next section. And that is, um, the general management of long COVID and general management of long COVID brain fog. What else can we help do to help recovery from long COVID? Um, I think it's important you know, to mention it's, it's important to take the general view, the holistic view. We need to think about, you know, all those other things that, that are important to us as, as human beings. And that is nutrition, diet, sleep, and sort of mind body balance. Um, diet, you know, mixed balance diet, Mediterranean diet, so important because it will contain all the minerals and vitamins and antioxidant polyphenols um, that you need for um, building blocks for cellular repair and 
anti-inflammatory properties. Um, the Mediterranean diet also contains a ton of prebiotic fiber for our microbiota. So it feeds, it nourishes our friendly bacteria. And like I said earlier, the friendly bacteria are so important for our general well-being and our, our um, support of our immune system and production of hormones and uh, neurotransmitters, chemicals and vitamins. So important to have a healthy gut microbiota. I mean, whilst you're at it, you know, remembering diet, remembering oily fish, omega-3, really good if you can't have two portions of oily fish, salmon and mackerel sardines a week. There's no harm in having a a um, a capsule of omega-3 fish oils. I do. Why not? Um, and I love fish, but actually, belt and braces, why not? And then finally, vitamin D. Every talk has to have vitamin D getting in there. You know, we live in the northern hemisphere after all. We're starved of UV, UVB, um, especially in the winter months. Why not have vitamin D as a supplement? I do. Why not? That's nutrition. Um, sleep. Again, I talked about this a little bit earlier. Sleep, the great healer refresh and repair you know we've got to support our day night cycle circadian rhythm why because various hormones particularly the growth hormone the restorative hormone is mostly secreted when we sleep at night um, so remember sleep hygiene really important strict bedtime we've talked about structured days etc etc but you know it's important for this reason as well to to support our day-night rhythm, no mobiles and um, you know your your uh, iPads and tablets, blue light emitting screens an hour before going to bed, maybe some magnesium, maybe some melatonin. Both of those have been proved to be effective for sleep, quality sleep. Um, and then. I talked about mind-body. What is that all about? Well, you know, respecting the mind and the body and recognising the interactions between the mind and the body. You know, so mindfulness. We've all heard about mindfulness now. Um, you could download the Headspace or Calm app, not too expensive. Download to your mobile phone and that's a sort of a nice tool to use for uh, mindfulness. Um, and this is backed up by loads of studies that, that demonstrate it's very good for stress reduction and blood pressure reducing. And, you know, and MRI scans show that people who do mindfulness regularly, even after, say, 20 minutes a day for six weeks, show changes, improvements in the, the departments in the brain that deal with memory, the hippocampus. So, you know, it's not just because it makes you feel great. It's also because there's sort of, there's supportive evidence that it brings about active vegetative change in the brain. If you practice mindfulness regularly, I thoroughly recommended it, recommend it. And then in the, in the, in the same sort of bracket is yoga and Tai Chi. Again, mind body, it's good for stress reduction, high blood pressure lowering, you know, incorporates focus and breath control and coordination. Try it. Why not? Nothing to lose. Um, so those are the sort of, if you like, as I've said, general 
general sort of strategies to help recover from long COVID and hence long COVID brain fog. Um, other resources which are helpful, I've put sort of in the um, uh, in the show notes below, uh, resources that are good for your long COVID recovery, the NHS website, your your COVID recovery it's called, um, which is a sort of self-help patient resource for symptoms and information and self-management. Um, there's also another excellent resource for fatigue uh, in long COVID um, on the Royal College of Occupational Therapists website. That's excellent. So there we are. Those are the sort of the treatments and management uh, strategies that I'd suggest for recovering from long COVID, long COVID in general, but long COVID brain fog. And so finally, the recovery, you know, um, the time course and the outcomes. Well, hopefully all that I've said um, with all I've said and this advice and guidance I've given you, you know, your long COVID will start to improve and you'll notice a difference and hopefully resolve. At this point, a lot of our patients are asked ask the question sort of, how long will it take though? You know, how long will it take for me to get better? And what does the recovery look like for me? What's the final outcome? So, question, how long will it take? The answer, well, it's, I'm afraid, it's impossible to predict. It is unpredictable. We don't have a crystal ball. When I first started in long COVID, we were saying, because this is what we we thought, uh, it's going to take nine, 12 months, and then it'll all be all over and you'll be back to normal. But I'm sorry, that's not the case, which is harsh. Um, three years on, there are still patients who are suffering. So how long is it going to take? We don't know. Um, the other question, how the extent of the recovery, what's the outcome? Well, you know, hopefully, um, and we've, we've seen this, you know, hopefully the majority of the patients will make a full recovery, get back to normal life. But there is inevitably going to be a proportion of those patients who, small percentage, whose recovery won't be full, it'll be partial, or maybe they'll have a sort of relapsing, remitting time course, you know, they're fine, they recover, and then they their system gets knocked by another virus or stress or something like that, and then they have a bit of a crash. Uh, unpredictable, but it may be that's how it how it is in the long term. So like I said, unpredictable. Everyone's different. Um, but basically, you know, improvement from your long COVID brain fog will occur alongside the natural recovery from your long COVID. And for this to happen, there has to be sort of rebalancing of all the body systems, the inflammatory system, the immune system, the glandular system, the endocrine system, the nerve systems, the neurological systems, alongside the natural tissue and cellular repair. There's nerve fibre repair that will occur with regrowth and and reconnection of nerves through the process of what we know now is called neuroplasticity neuroplasticity um those areas that have been damaged um the hippocampus the memory area or the prefrontal cortex the executive function areas 
they will be rewired, if you like. Um, new nerves will grow, rewire, re reconnect. And so those pathways will, if you like, come back into life. And then the microclot story. Well, you know, clots clear eventually anyway through natural clearance processes. It takes a long time. So the process of what we call recanalization happens naturally. But there's also neovascularization. That is new blood vessels, um, sort of are created around blockages. So sooner or later, um, those blood clots are either disappear or they'll be bypassed. And so the, the area that's, that's served by that blood clot, that, that blood vessel that's being blocked off will be restored and hence, you know, then for, therefore function again. But, you know, we need time for these natural processes to work. Um, but, and along with that, we need, if you like, acceptance. I mentioned this earlier, uh, to accept that this has happened, that you've got long COVID, to accept that, you know, the time frame is uncertain, to accept that the outcome is uncertain. We need to accept it, um, not, not to fight it, to give into it, if you like, and above all, to give it time. So there we are. Um, that concludes uh, the second part of my talk on long COVID brain fog, following on following on from my first part earlier. I hope you found that helpful. Um, as I mentioned at the start, any advice? This is the disclaimer. Apologise for that. But, you know, any advice, diagnoses, treatments that I mention should only be considered after discussion with your own GP or qualified health professional. So in the meantime, um, I wish you well. Uh, I wish you well with your recovery from long COVID. Thank you.